Hey guys, welcome back to Esthetician on the Edge, the podcast. Before we get into today's episode, uh, I'd like to give you a little bit of an update on merch. I have a, a lot of you asking, uh, what, where the hell is it? <laughs> Well, we had a bit of a snag in the process, and I am currently trying to get that shit straightened out. You will know the second I know when it's going to come out. Promise. So, enough of my narcissistic pandering. Let's get into the show. Today, I'm going to talk about going out on your own. Is it good? Is it bad? Maybe a bit of both. We'll talk a little bit more about ingredients, and we'll stir the pot with my opinion on tipping. Who's ready? First, let's talk about being your own boss in this world of skincare. And I'm talking specifically to the ones in school or fresh out of school. Personally, I've never had a desire to be my own boss. Um, (laughs) I just don't think I have the drive for it, to be perfectly honest. And I'm tired. Damn, am I tired. I love going home at the end of the day knowing that I am done and that I don't have to worry about work until the next day when I'm there. To me, that's a slice of heaven. Wanting zero responsibility for a while, that that was one of the reasons that I actually got out of teaching. Let me tell you, if you've never been in charge of the learning and corralling of 20 plus adults for 8 to 10 hours, have you ever really lived? It is a lot. So to me, the thought of leaving a job to simply go home and work on growing my business that, that sounds awful. It sounds terrible. I, I just want to, to settle in at home with a glass of wine. I want to turn on a good serial killer documentary and then entertain my husband with, you should have seen the vagina I saw today, work stories. Now, that's not to say that working for someone else is always pleasant. Right now, for me, it is not super pleasant at all. Are any of y'all hiring? Do you need a slightly bitter esthetician working for you? I mean, sometimes you get stuck with shitty coworkers. You might have a manager that's, you know, terrible. You could have an owner that is so tightly wound that they're pretty close to shitting diamonds. And sometimes you do have to deal with hateful clients that you know for a fact if you were in your own business, you would have already fired them. Um, My personal favorite, though, working for someone, something that irks my nerves more than most is having policies that they refuse to enforce. You know, a client is 45 minutes late, no problem, come on in. Or, uh, yeah, you can bring your cranky three-year-old back. It's okay, it's fine. No one else is trying to relax at all. Just ignore that posted policy saying that we don't allow kids. It's fine. When I was teaching almost every single student, they wanted to do a booth rental. Hell, half of them... They had already been pricing suites at like, uh, what is it, JC's and, and Sola Salon. Some of them were even buying steamers and equipment off Amazon before they'd even started school. And you want to know what I told them? Don't do it. I, I just, I'd never understood it. And I, and I know that some of you all, you went straight into your own suite or an actual storefront and you made aesthetics your bitch. But you, my friend, are the exception not the rule. For every like hundred of you saying, you know, I make over a hundred thousand a year on my own. There are a thousand Estes out there that are only just making their weekly rent and that's barely. Or they've maxed out credit cards. 
you know, they've taken out small loans to buy equipment and products, and they find themselves slowly sinking into what is going to be a financial disaster for them and their family. But let's look at some numbers. In the in the first year of business, now I actually found this kind of surprising. 20% of small businesses fail. Now, I thought that was low. Were you guys expecting like 80%? So was I. But 20% fail. But don't get too excited. The numbers only grow worse as the years progress. So that by year five, over half of the businesses that survive their first year will no longer be in operation. But why, right? Why is that so? I think for our industry, oversaturation is a huge problem. Remember when we talked about the the sweatshop places? The same ones that a lot of you, you went to, you learned how to wax, and then basically you said, fuck it, I can do it better on my own. Well, they are now your biggest competition, and they are putting booth renters out of business almost as quickly as they can find a room to rent. Now get this, in 2018, um, EWC had about 900 waxing centers, and you know they are still going strong, they are still opening centers, and they performed roughly 880,000 services. Now Massage Envy had 1,100 centers, and they have performed well over 100 million services. Now behind those numbers, oh my gosh, it is like a buying and pricing power that you and your little Sola suite will never have. I'm telling you guys, you know nothing fresh out of school. Real world is not school world. Remember that. And please, for the love of all that's holy, oh my God, do not believe your regulars. They will tell you. They will follow you. Listen to me. They will not follow you. Okay, maybe one. Maybe one will follow you, but that is it. People who frequent schools, you know, they they like to tell themselves that they go to a school because everybody has to learn. Nope. (laughs) They're doing it because they're cheap. They're so cheap. And unless you are going to continue to let them pay, you know, what is a facial? $20 to $30 for a facial and $7 for brow wax. They are going to be staying right there at that school waiting on the next batch of students to head up into the clinic. Stylists and estheticians, they work for years, years, and years to build a book of loyal clients. You've put in maybe six or eight months in school, so, oh my God, be sensible. Stop for a moment and think and work through some numbers. Don't get caught up in the excitement of graduation. Can you survive on 20 brow waxes or maybe 10 Brazilians a week? Have you even got 20 weekly clients? Let's, okay, so let's look at numbers. Let's say that all 20 clients come in in one week. So you've got 20 people coming in one week. All 20 get a brow wax and 10 of the 20 get a Brazilian. All right, so remember our prices. We're doing 20 for a brow and 65 for a Brazilian. So if 20 people get a brow, that breaks down to what, 400? And if 10 of those people get a Brazilian, let's see, 65, that's $650. So that's going to be around a total of, da, 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 math is not my strong suit, um, $1050. So $1,050 you have made that week. Now let's go ahead and knock off that 20% for taxes so you don't get yourself in trouble. So that brings us down to $840. That's still not terrible. Now your rents. 
your rent's going to be around 285 a week if you're somewhere that's kind of reasonable. So that's got us down to 555. Oh, and we can't forget, um, we have to pay our fee for running our credit cards. And you ordered a wax shipment yesterday. That's like $125. So let's see, $125 minus $555. That's going to be $430. And then we have to take the $85 off for your credit card fees. That is going to leave us with a grand total of $345 for a week's worth of work. Is that enough for you to live on? I don't know. That's a question you have to ask yourself. But what about next week? You, you only have 10 brow waxes and maybe a single facial. Or the week you have more no-shows than you have actual clients. Or what about when your wax pot quits working? Or you didn't put the cap on your glue and now you have to order some more glue? What about a rent increase? Can you handle that? What if shipping costs goes up? You already know those suck. What if you have a client who has a reaction and overreacts and goes to urgent care and she wants you to pay the bill? I mean, we didn't even talk about your insurance rates. If you, ha- if you have a support system at home that will allow you to grow your business then dive in. You will be fine. Even if you have a second job to support yourself while you're building, same thing, dive on in. But leaving school with just the bulk of your knowledge coming from a milady textbook and only ever working on family or school clients, that is dangerous. Be smart about starting up your own business. You're willing to invest money, so be willing to invest thought and time into building yourself whether it's technically, and trust me, you need it because you don't know as much as you think you do, Um, building yourself socially or financially before you jump balls deep into an already overpopulated pond. There is value in spending time in an established salon or spa, if for nothing else than to get a feel for the industry in your specific area. Go ahead and pick up some tips and tricks from Estes that have been in it a while. Give it just like six months. That way you can build yourself a bit more of a cushion financially. See what you love, see what you hate, because there are going to be things you hate. And then, then... And only then, go for it. Build that business. I'm pretty sure all my risk takers out there are like, you know, shooting me the middle finger right now. But it is just being sensible about going out on your own in the skincare world. Um, I've been in it for a long time and it has evolved and changed so much in just like the last five years. Um, You have to be able to adjust buy the new equipment, take the classes, you you want to be up to date. So just a word of caution and just my opinion on going out on your own. And now let's get into a topic that makes most of us a little bit bloodthirsty. The subject of tipping. I ask some of you for your best worst tip stories (laughs) and you guys, oh my god, you never let me down. I laughed my ass off reading all of these. I'll tell you, I've been stiffed more times than I can count, or I've been tipped so little that you should have just kept your trifling ass change. But probably my oddest tip, um, and that's to date, and I've gotten some weird ones, but I think the oddest thing I was ever tipped, and believe it or not, it was from this sweet little old lady was one of those roses that you buy at truck stops or gas stations 
At least you can in the South. I don't know about Northeast, West, whatever. And it's actually not a rose, <laughs> but it's a pair of crotchless panties that has been origamied into the shape of a rose. And she gave those to me with a banana. Yep. I, I don't know what that meant. I don't. I really don't. Um, yeah, but that was my worst so far. Some of yours were way better than mine, though. I'm dying to tell all of your stories, so listen up. Oh, Wait, but before I tell stories, though, um, I can't always tell from your pictures or the verbiage of your messages the proper pronoun to use when retelling your stories. So if I fuck up, apologies. It was completely unintentional, I assure you. All I'm doing is I'm trying to fit as much as possible within a limited space of time in the podcast. And my default is he or she a lot because that's how my brain works. I'm working on it, so please be patient with me. First up, we have at KCK.XO, and she says she was tipped $15 on $400 in services. Uh, She also got an open, partially used bag of Starbucks coffee grounds, (laughs) and probably my favorite of her stories is a guest who never tips because, get this, she's a life coach. And I quote, I'm a life coach, so the time I spend talking to the waxers, it is much more valuable than a tip. What the hell is she talking about? I'd have already given her a life lesson by beating her cheap ass, but that's just me. At Sarah Cloud says she did a $100 service and got a $4.25 tip in quarters. Said she knew it was bad when she picked up the envelope and it jingled. At Goldfish said she stayed past her scheduled time to wax someone and then the client decided to add on more services. So that in the end it was full legs, full arms, and Brazilian and a full face. You would have lost me at full arms, Goldfish. Anyway, at the end of the service the client pulls out a huge roll of cash. She peeled off a $10 bill as a tip and handed it to me. (laughs) Oh, you gotta love clients. Next up, we have at Robin. Okay, I'm gonna screw this up. At Robin Limp Nails and Beauty. And she says she has a little old lady that brings her a jar of homemade balm for her back. You know, because our backs always kill us after a while from all the bending over. She said she brings a jar whenever she comes to get her nails done in place of a tip. Uh, Robin says she... She says it's kind of sweet, but now she has a huge supply of back pain cream that she will never use, and that she would much rather have money to go get a massage that could actually help her back pain. Next up, we have at the Skin Within 818, and (laughs) this is so gross. She got homemade lipstick. I'm like, stop with the homemade stuff. If you're a client and you're listening, don't ever bring in homemade anything. We watch serial killer documentaries. We know what's up. You're trying to kill us. At Salvador Salicito, I hope I said that right, underscore says he was given random loose pocket change, like nickels and dimes. Salvador, you know what happened. They just went and scooped some money out of their console in their car. At Meg McCardle, she says she waxed a woman from head to toe and received a whopping $10. And she said that she was pretty sure she cried out of sheer frustration. (laughs) We've all been there. 
at Gracie Ann Wall. Um, she is not an esthetician yet, but she will be soon. She's still in school. She said she did a 90-minute facial on a lady that claimed she worked for a local skincare company. She says she proceeded to tell me how wealthy she was and that she loves to share her favorite brands. She then gave me some of the company that she worked for, Skin Spray, and then instructed me to use it as I felt dry throughout the day. It was, the bottle was half gone and the only ingredient listed was water. <laughs> Oh my God. Um, Gracie, if they ever tell you how wealthy they are or how fat they're going to tip you, you're not going to get a single penny out of them. Yep, that is a red flag. At Miss Morgan said a woman stinking of weed left 75 cents on my side table, then called back two hours later and told the center she had forgotten some money in the room. Oh my God. And then she came back for her 75 cents. Shut all the hell the way up. That is hilarious. At Keely M. Summers, it says a coworker was left 56 cents on a Brazilian. Uh, and I suggested when she sent me the DM, I was like, girl, you need to tell your coworker to throw it back at her client. And she says, um, the client actually left a tip on a credit card. <laughs> That's petty as hell. At Arch and Glow LV got a two-for-one coupon for a pub down the street from where she worked. They had been placed on windshields of cars by a paid canvasser. At Luxkin Studios Las Vegas said she was given a gift card to McDonald's for $2. And another client gave her a Starbucks punch card. Yeah, the gift that keeps on giving. At Rach MC 28 says she was tipped an English cucumber. <laughs> Hey, at least it didn't have seeds in it. They they went all out. I, I would I would wonder why they had a cucumber just laying around in the car, though. Um, but anyway, she was tipped an English cucumber. It was supposed to go with her bottle of Hendrix gin, but she had to buy that herself. <laughs> at Brandon underscore at underscore elixir says that he was tipped 25 cents after a two and a half hour after two and a half hours worth of services. And if I'm remembering correctly, he also said that it was just what was left over on a gift card. Gift card clients can be the worst. At Derbs says she was giving a Tim Horton card that had a whole $2 remaining on the balance. At, I don't know how, um, okay, I'm going to butcher this, so I'm just going to spell it. I think it's supposed to be Rach. Eflin, but it is spelled at R-C-H-E-F-L-I-N. She probably had my favorite. She got a half of a sandwich and a half-eaten bowl of soup. <laughs> oh, that is so disgusting. I know there are strong feelings on both sides of the tipping debate, but I gotta say, I come down on the side of you should tip. Well, if the service was to your liking and your expectations, that is. We aren't the only ones who get screwed over, though. I was a server for years and years, and I wholeheartedly think that every human being on this planet should be drafted into the service or retail industry for a year of their life. It would be such an eye-opening experience for a lot of assholey people. Come on now. Servers make like, at least where I'm from, under $3 an hour. They literally live off their tips, but some people think it's okay to go out you know, have a meal, 
kick back and relax and not tip because if they don't make enough money, they should get a real job. Oh my god, fuck off. Your poor server, they have been yelling at the kitchen all night because their cooks are high as fuck. The bartender is fighting with the bar back. The hostess has triple sat her all night. And now she has to deal with you letting your shitty kids open up all the sugar packets. Don't be a douche. Just tip. It is hard work to be a server. If you don't want to tip, don't go out. Go to fast food restaurants. I feel like as an old server, I need to make this public service announcement. If you're in a restaurant and your server is cute or friendly, do not be cunty. They do not want your man or your woman or the 15 others that have hit on them their entire shift. Do you know what a server really wants? They want a pile of fries because they haven't eaten in seven hours. They want a shot of tequila and 10 minutes off their damn feet. And that's pretty much it. Anyway, back to tipping in the spa and salon world. I see on message boards all the time, independent contractors, you know, they're always saying, I never expect tips. I just make sure I charge enough for each service to cover a client not tipping. Um, (laughs) okay, well, I'm pretty sure that you know, places like Hand in Stone or um, Massage Envy or Waxing the City, they are not sitting down with an employee and asking, now, what would you like to charge? You know, just in case you get a client who doesn't tip on a service. Your well-being is so important to us. Yeah, that shit's not happening. Typically, spa wages, they're commission. You get some and they get more. Sometimes they throw in an hourly so that they feel better about themselves. Even when you interview at a spa or a salon, employers will make a point of telling you how awesome the tips are whenever they shoot you a lower than average commission percentage during an interview. You know, I know 30% seems low, but the girls here, they clear $200 in tips daily. So that's going to even out for you to be about $40 an hour. If you're good and you get your books built up. So the argument that tips aren't a necessity and shouldn't be expected. Yeah, they kind of are because my employer has made it that way by calculating my income based on the possibility of a gratuity. Now, I know your argument is not everyone can afford to tip, right? Well, we are a luxury industry. Now, we might like to tell ourselves that a dermaplane is a necessity, but come on. It's just us here. We know that people can actually survive the month without a dermaplane. Barely, but it it is still possible. People do not have to have facials. They don't have to have peels or microneedling or Brazilians or leg waxes or lash lifts or lash applications. To my way of thinking, if they can drop 350 on like a 90-minute facial or lashes every month, they can tip me at least 20%. Now, I'm only speaking from my experience in the field and where I have worked. The average household income where I'm at is around 175000 a year. And that's the poor people. So my clients can afford a tip, but maybe they didn't like the service you say. That that would excuse them from tipping. Trust me, I don't expect people to tip me if they didn't like what I did. But again, your argument doesn't hold water because if they didn't like the service, they wouldn't continue to come back once or twice a month with a happy smile on their face every time they saw me. 
But I do understand some people are gifted facials and other services and that they in fact can't afford to tip. Cool, that is absolutely no problem. I honestly hope that you loved your facial and that I made you feel wonderful. But those people, they are so easy to pick out. For one, hello, they're usually really super nice and extremely grateful for anything and everything that you are doing for them. And you know what? Those people who can't actually afford to tip, they are going to be the ones that will somehow, some way, find a way to leave you a decent tip because they know the struggle. To my simple brain, to my way of thinking, if you enjoyed the service, your time with your provider, you know you left feeling good, that's when you leave a tip. And just to clarify for clients listening, It doesn't have to be some massive, stupid gesture. I mean, you don't have to throw down a $20 tip on a brow wax. But if you do, girl, the next brow wax, it's going to include like a mask. I'm going to massage you. I'm going to make sure that heated bed is turned up. Girl, you get the best blanket. Anything else you want, it's yours. But seriously, just don't give us insane stuff. No one wants your coupons. Nobody wants your religious pamphlets or your leftover Panera pick two. I know some of y'all aren't going to agree with me and you're going to call me greedy and you're going to call me ungrateful, but I am just being real. Quit calculating tips as part of my wage package and I will quit expecting them. End of story. Who is ready to go back to the classroom? Let's talk about retins. I will tell you I am slightly jealous that the retin family is a family that I will never be a part of. My skin hates retin-A, retin-all, basically anything that starts with an R. Yeah, I can never get past that ugly stage of dry, irritating flakiness. And yes, I've tried every conceivable method of application and what feels like every expensive product on the market, even some inexpensive ones. I swear, I think it all stems from, and don't tell anybody, but I got some contraband Mexican Retin-A back in 2010. I think my skin is just fucked up from that and still recovering. It was, a, it was painful. It was a process. Don't do that. Learn from my mistake. It was not my smartest moment. Even though I can't use um, the retins, retinols, I can attest to the results and I recommend it all the time to a lot of my clients who are ready for it. And as you know, there are several forms available, uh, synthetic and natural. You've got your OTC and you've got your prescription strings. But the one that most of us deal with and the most effective OTC is retinol. So that is what we're going to be talking about today. So retinol smooth skin, it helps unclog pores, it improves overall texture, it even lightens age and dark spots. But first things first, how does retinol do all the things that it does? Getting rid of wrinkles is probably what retinols are known mainly for in our world. Uh, retinol stimulates collagen and those glycosaminoglycans. Now you already know what collagen is and does, but do you remember glycosaminoglycans? You you probably have heard it referred to as GAG mostly in school, in your textbooks. So GAG and water, they come together and they create the fluid that fills the spaces between collagen and elastin fibers. And it's this fluid that reinforces and thickens that subcutaneous tissue 
which, along with new collagen formation, helps fluff out those lines. You want to think of it as the body's naturally made filler. Oh, and bonus, retinol also contributes to stopping the enzyme that breaks down collagen. So new collagen and you keep old collagen. So win-win. Now let's talk about age and dark spots and how it unclogs pores. Retinol is a great ingredient to tackle stubborn pigment issues and congested skin at the same time because it does speed up cell turnover. So it helps uh, with the process of sloughing off those discolored skin cells at a much, much quicker rate than would normally happen. And it also helps with the pigment issues because it interrupts that enzyme tyrosinase that we talked about last episode. Um, And as you all know, the faster your cells will turn over and shed, the easier it is to keep your pores from accumulating, you know, dead skin flakes and oil and dirt. So less breakouts and less blackheads. Now this specific trait of retinol is what can lead to that ugly, dry, flaky skin that some people experience when they first start using it. But don't let the flaking fool you. Retinol is not an exfoliant, and I see it referred to as an exfoliant all the time. It is an antioxidant. You want to think of retinol as kind of like the skin cell whisperer. It sweet talks your cells into continuously refreshing themselves. But how do you say all that to a client? I'm, I'm pretty sure most clients, they have no clue what anything was that we just talked about. So you want to break it down into their language. And, I, and I'm not saying talk down to them. That, that would only piss them off. You want to make it client friendly. It basically rebuilds the uh, structural integrity of the tissue that's under the skin by constantly encouraging rotation of new plump skin cells. And all that translates to is brighter, better skin. That's easy enough to say, right? When you're purchasing or selling a retinol, there are a few factors that you want to consider to get the most out of your purchase. The container, again, needs to be opaque or dark or or lined to keep out UV rays because UV does affect the uh, efficacy of your retinol products. And again, if possible, stay away from the medicine droppers. Um, A pump or like a squeezy tube is ideal. The most important thing, though, is to look for an encapsulated formula. Because retinols are prone to instability, the industry found that if they encapsulated the ingredient, it made it way more stable in the container. Um, It also made it a more gentle product on the skin. Think about it. When it's encapsulated, retinol releases very slowly, like a time release. So it's releasing super slow on the skin. And that pretty much ensures that there's going to be less sensitivity and irritation for the client. And remember also when using retinol, you want to be careful using them with acids. And I know, I know that it is a big debate online. And some well-known skincare companies say that it's perfectly okay to use an acid with a retin. But hey, I'm paying for it. I'd prefer to err on the side of caution. Retins, they're they're typically formulated with a pH between 5 and 6. And you all know, an acid is much lower. So in theory, it could make your retinol product less effective. And I am not going to take any chances on that. I always have clients apply their retinol products at night and their vitamin C during the day. 
vitamin C is protecting them out in the world and retinol is correcting while they sleep. And you only need like a pea-sized amount. Don't go crazy. Uh, And you want to suggest in the beginning that a client apply every other night. Eventually, they could work up to every single night, but only if their skin can tolerate it. Uh, For your more sensitive clients, you can even have them apply it after their moisturizer. Or you could mix it with their moisturizer. Oh, and if you're like me and you have clients who don't listen when you talk, (laughs) I have clients that come in and they're like, oh my God, my eyes are stinging whenever I apply my retinol. And it's because they're literally taking it up to their lashes. It drives me bonkers. But what I have done is I have them put their eye cream on first and then apply their retinol and then apply their moisturizer. It, it is working so far. No one is blind. The most important part of educating your client is managing their expectations. It's going to take, you know, like three to six months to see real improvements. Um, sorry, it's not like the Olive Lay ad that says, see results overnight. That's not real. <laughs> you have to have consistent use And you have to be using other skincare products. And then you have to have patience. If they already look like droopy dog, retinol will not fix that. A surgical blade, a talented surgeon, and a facelift is the only thing that's going to get rid of all that. We are not magicians. We are estheticians. All right, there you go. That's retinol in a nutshell. I didn't do a product comparison for this ingredient. Lots of companies encapsulate now. Um, It's a smart way to go. So just look for a formula that you like um, at a price that you can afford and you should be golden. If you have questions about retin or you disagree with anything I said, drop me a line uh, at estheticianontheedge at yahoo.com. I welcome an intelligent debate on just about any subject that I have knowledge of. Just ask my husband. Holy shitballs, that was a lot of words. I need a drink and a snack. Oh, and by the way, if, if you hear like little crinkly noises or swishing, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. My dog is, uh, she's wearing a diaper presently because she's having some issues with her heart. So she likes to be right up on me and her diaper crinkles and there was no way. I kept stopping and starting, stopping and starting and it just wasn't working. So if you hear crinkling, (laughs) it's my dog. Sorry about that. But anywho, thank you guys for listening. Please hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts to get all the latest episodes downloaded to your device. Keep leaving those five-star ratings and fabulous reviews. I love them all and appreciate them. And I swear to you, merch is on the way. Be patient. It's a process. As always, wishing you a pam-free week. See you next show.